0: In five, four, three, two, one. Let's get Let's this bubble. Can you give us your view as whether or not there is a housing bubble out there? Well, unquestionably, housing prices are up quite a bit. I think it's important to note that uh, fundamentals are also very strong. Very strong. What? Listen now. Oh, yes.
1: Mr. Chan, how's it going, my man? Ricky, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm pretty pumped to do this podcast. I think it's going to be quality material, good analysis, and especially given the fact that so many things happened last week. Wouldn't you say so?
0: Yes, that was, you know, in the last podcast, we talked about that week being a really big week, a lot of numbers and a lot of decisions by central bankers. And it was a very, very big week, and I'm looking forward to talking to you about it.
1: Yeah, and I think we should just immediately dive into it and talk about the Fed. Decision. I mean, that yep. was pretty huge to the extent that it could have implications, and I think these implications will definitely see them to the weeks to come. But what were what were your initial reactions? I remember you called me. And we were both looking at it and just <laughs> saw the market at first like tank a little bit in the sense
0: that the slope of the drop was pretty big. What were your initial reactions there? Well, I think if you, for anyone who's followed this long enough, the extreme volatility that's usually in and around the, the Fed decision, uh, no longer comes as a surprise. Uh, you know, you see massive volume, you see massive spikes in the price action to the upside, to the downside. And so that didn't surprise me. Um, but what did surprise me, Ricky, and, and I, I know we, we talked a little bit about this, is that given that they, yes, they did keep interest rates at the 0.25 and the point. 0.5%. Um, the language that the Fed used was relatively hawkish, and for people who don't understand the dove hawk dichotomy, what hawkishness basically means is that it seems like the Fed has a bias towards future rate hikes, and something like that would be perceived as a negative for the market or maybe negative for gold. But we saw the exact opposite thing, yeah. and you know, Ricky, we talked about this while we were watching it too, and I think you were having <laughs> you were having lunch, and and we were watching this live, and um, it was it was really interesting to see how Um, you know, we needed to give a little bit more time to see what the price action and what the market was telling us. But despite this hawkishness and, you know, the potential for the Fed to raise rates in the future, the market rallied. I mean, this is I thought that was really what I don't want to say surprising, but it was kind of, was I th- kind I of think, shocking to see.
1: I think what that shows is that, is that the market is starting to catch up to the Fed's game. They understand that they need to sell as if everything is fine. So they talk about raising rates. I mean if if they admitted that nothing is fine, then they would have to ease. But by they saying, oh, we're going to raise rates – we are basically admitting that everything is fine and it's going with our plan, but not yet, you know, because of certain geopoliticals. But we are going with the plan. Especially since we're there in an election, we're trying to sell the issue sure. that this has worked. But the market is now at smarted the Fed and knows that they're lying and that they're always continuously going to keep rates at where they are. So I, this was
0: pretty big. This was pretty big. Sorry, yeah, you, go ahead. No, no, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I would I would even go a step further to say that the market is basically the tail that is wagging the Fed dog. Yeah. Right. Um, and we saw the market rally in anticipation to this uh, to this meeting. And then for the market to rally just a little bit more following is just like the market confirming. Yeah. You know, we didn't think you'd do it. You know, it's like they called their bluff. Yeah, exactly. Exa- you read my mind. I was
1: going to say that basically the market called their bluff. However, I do think uh, the. How the markets behave as a result afterwards says a lot that the coming week is going to be very interesting. And the reason why I said that we saw basically the NASDAQ (laughs) go up higher, the S&P be higher, and the Dow trade sideways. However, look at yields. Yields go down. And again, I bring Mm -hmm. back this divergence because it doesn't mean certainty of the market. Usually when people are buying a risk-on environment, they go into equities. But in this case, the fact that we didn't see a rally – in equities, but also a sell-off in bonds means that people are not sure. And the fact mm-hmm. that they've thrown this into them, uh, this, like, we're going to maintain rates the same, yeah, basically
0: destabilizes everything, I think. Mm-hmm. So a couple episodes back, Ricky, you talked about the divergence between equities and, and yields, and we basically continue to see the same thing this, uh, this yes. past week.
1: Yes, exactly. But I think now that the Fed has has maintained its policies, now we're going to see which side is going to win. But because I also realized that even though the market called the Fed's bluff, there's a yeah. big point to make. The Fed will not raise, will not ease until the market drops, until the actuality happens because mm-hmm. it allows them to continue with their narrative that everything is fine. So do you see basically here <laughs> that we're coming <laughs> into a critical point? Because yeah. if the market says, look, we're calling her bluff, right? then the Fed is going to be, okay, call my bluff, I don't care, but at least you give me time to tell people that everything is fine, look at the market sure. itself. But then mm-hmm. the market realizes, oh, they're not going to ease until we actually fall. So I think yeah. it's going to be very interesting. I think it's it's such an interesting psychology. It's just circular psychology between the Fed and the market, but the market, re- the reality needs to happen in order for the Fed to ease.
0: Yeah. And and speaking of reality and 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 uh, calling bluffs, uh, you know, the, the Fed saying that uh domestic headwind seems to have died down. I mean, I don't know what they're looking at. Like, Ricky, we, we were talking about a big data week coming up uh, in terms of economic data. We had durable goods and we had GDP. Maybe you want to touch on them specifically, oh, but those, those, weren't, those didn't look good. And it doesn't seem to match what the Fed is saying, at least, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm first going to say what the GDP was because it was the most important news, but then I want to talk about... That was on Friday, yeah. Yeah, but I want to talk about later about durable goods because there's a lot more to be said that the media didn't necessarily cover. Yeah, the media covered GDP. But basically, Q2, people were expecting from a range of 1.8% to even 2.6%, according to Reuters. But we actually got way below expectations and we got 1.2%. But if Mm -hmm. that wasn't enough, we have the first quarter GDP revised down from one point one percent to zero point eight percent. So that was a big shock for the market, I think. Yeah. It's also a huge number, which we can now talk about a little bit of the implications if you want, Aaron, before and, yeah,
0: goods. Before even before yeah, Ricky, before even moving on to that, I mean that's the I think I believe that's a real GDP that they're reporting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. by real GDP that means inflation adjusted. Um but this this real GDP number, who knows whether this is right or not too. Oh yeah. Because I mean, if, 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 you used like real you shaking your head, the listeners aren't going to see you shaking your head, but just let him know. <laughs>
1: no, the reason why I'm shaking my head is because what Aaron is pointing to, which makes perfect sense. If not, if real inflation is basically whatever you, I mean, if real GDP is basically the nominal GDP that you report minus the inflation. And if the inflation is underreported, then we could probably already be in a recession, which, which according is to shadow stats. Another
0: like statistically like we yeah. would be according mm-hmm. to the inflation numbers, but they never they never see a recession coming these people who track the numbers they never say like oh we're in a recession it's always backwards looking oh by the way in the fourth quarter of 2015 we're in a recession i mean that's what peter schiff was saying is that when we go forward and when we look back we're probably going to realize that we had we were already in a a recession in q4 of 2015 right when the fed raised rates like could their timing be any worse yeah it's crazy it's crazy and to add
1: into that the durable goods order was expected to be negative 1.1%. And the fact that it was already expected to be negative, it means that people are starting to catch on, that to a certain extent, the US economy is slowing down. But the fact that the actual number was negative 4%, <laughs> it actually creates some sort of psychological effect. Because yeah. it, it shows you, okay, the market was thinking things were bad, but they're actually a lot worse than you think. I mean, this minus 4%, basically the point, the critical point, either market goes up or down. It's Mm -hmm. basically a lot closer than what people were expecting. But I think that's why the media didn't do much coverage of it. But still, the number is there.
0: Great. Let's get back to the market reaction for a second. Did you see anything interesting from gold and silver? Well,
1: I thought it was very interesting because basically we can conclude that the gold and silver have reached the new support level. They can't go beneath. And I think that new support level is approximately about 1,300 because there's Mm -hmm. been so many things that have happened that could have, in previous experiences – caused a big sell-off for gold but now gold is actually holding and if anything increasing because even if the fed does raise rates people know that there's going to be uncertainty so there's not a big sell-off in gold but even if the Mm -hmm. fed eases then there's going to be more printing so gold by default because there's more currency chasing fewer goods is going to go up so i think gold the gold market is signaling to us that we've basically uh, found a new support level or Yeah. yeah, support level sorry
0: Yeah, Uh, that's I think that's your analysis is spot on. And and one of the things that keeps me sane is to actually watch the price action action for gold and silver, because those seem to be the only things that are reacting properly to the economic numbers and to the headlines. Right. Um, Back in May, when we got that thirty seven thousand non-farm payrolls number, gold shot up fifty dollars. Right. The market market sold off, but then it's gone to new highs since, and, and which is completely irrational. So gold and silver t- seem to be the only things that are, as you said, catching a bottom. It seems like we're, we're finding new bidders. And I mean, with the level at, the, I think the 1300 level is the post-Brexit level. I would argue right now we're finding probably buyers and we're finding a floor at like 1330. So... You know, with uh, with the spicy summer coming up and, and August, uh, September, October traditionally being uh, tough, tough months for the market, I think gold is going to look very, very good in the months ahead.
1: But Aaron, what do you think, given all of these conditions that have been occurring, the gold market, yeah. equities, uh, bonds, the way that they're behaving, what do you mm-hmm. think the coming weeks have ahead of us?
0: Well, here's what I think, Ricky. You know, we got a... L- I mean, lackluster is putting it lightly, but a lackluster GDP number on Friday. Now, on Monday, which is probably when people are going to be listening to this, um, we, have the US manu- we have the U.S. manufacturing, ISM, right? Uh, we also have the PCE. I think on Thursday, the BOE, so the Bank of England, is having their rate decision. Uh, and then there are unemployment numbers that are coming out on Friday with the non-farm payrolls and also the unemployment number. So uh, there are definitely some landmines coming up for the market, and it'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, whether we're we going to have another, and I put in quotations, outlier number where it's way far and on the negative side of the market expectations, because yeah, I, at what point I think you have to ask the question: At what point do these central bankers who are trying to prop up the market with narrative and you know with with promises of oh you know we're gonna we're gonna cut rates? I mean, sorry, we're gonna raise rates in the future how long they can keep doing this and try and prop up the tent with their hands meanwhile there are no poles that are actually ke- keeping it, keeping it up um, so i think we we should expect more volatility in the coming weeks because it's just going to take one number to really jar the market back hopefully closer to reality and understand that the economic fundamentals aren't actually as great as their indicators are telling them yeah what I, do you can, think? I completely agree with you overall if i were to describe the market right now the word would be sensitive it is very
1: sensitive to information yes. Uh, Basically, any number, like you're saying, could potentially put the market even higher or lower. It's just in a sensitive point. And that sensitivity (laughs) demonstrates the fact that we are not actually in a solidly based path. That eventually we're gonna go the wrong way. People are sort of acting a little bit schizophrenic. You tell them something, they're like, "Okay, okay, good, good, yes. great news." But then they're like, "Oh, I don't know. Is it great news?" So it starts to go yeah. down. So
0: it's just, yeah. it's a
1: little bit schizophrenic
0: and sensitive. That's how I would describe them. Right schizophrenic, right now. schizophrenic is such a good way of, of describing it, and and myopic, I would say too, because uh, every number, every word, I mean, every word of a Fed of, uh, of an FOMC statement is, I- is dissected. Yeah. and it's like oh what do they mean by this like markets are completely driven by these these statements and and going up and down just based off of one number as opposed to trying to understand like the broader economic framework and, and what's happening there so it, it's a very very sick market and it, it saddens me because the market's actually a beautiful thing you know it's a it's a trans, it's a information transmission mechanism um, that aggregates information and knowledge and, and lets people know what how alloc- how resources should be allocated price. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, this, this is not the market. This is
1: more accurately described than I think best described as central banking economics. That's what I would call it. I don't know if you cannot. Well, yeah, it is economics because it's still individuals pursuing their ends. So it's not the market economy. This is something controlled. This is yeah, basically in, investing in central banking economy. There's like different ways in which you invest in true market. You think of fundamentals and stuff. But in this scenario, in this reality, which is not a market, it's central banking economics if you want to call it it's all about what the fed is going to do and trying to outguess it, it, it that's how people are investing right now but the yeah. thing is
0: if you can even call it investing at that yeah, yeah. Point.
1: If, if but the, then the question follows okay so there's two different types of investing like two different scenarios which one is real well the yeah. real one is the one that's based on reality not this central banking i mean central banking is based on the idea that paper is money and it's illusory and that's basically people trying to say, oh, uh, we can't tell the market what to be, but the market is something collective of us, uh, our interactions. And yeah, it's, our it, it's, not, it's not what central bankers tell it to be. You know? yeah. Right now, central bankers are just trying to hard to tell it to be something when it's not. And that's something that's a time preference of individuals, their uh, consumption to savings ratio, how much they want to percent consume yeah. uh, things in the present good to the, to the, to the future. And they're trying to change yeah. that by decree, but you can't change reality. So I think eventually the markets are just going to see a correction for sure.
0: You know, maybe impress- impressive definitely is not the word for this, but I'm sort of lacking in words for what they've been able to do. Um, how they've basically been able to distort reality this this much, right? Um, you think about, and, and and obviously this is anecdotal, but you, you talk, you know, I talk to my friends and, and you see how, some people are, are are talking about their jobs and 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 whether they find any meaning in in their productivity and if they see value in what they're doing like a lot of people are disenfranchised and disillusioned by what they do and it's really sad to see this because what is ha- this is a result of this perverse system that we have when capital and when capital is not allocated properly right and you have this system that over um, one one class of people are benefit excessively from it then human capital is not allocated properly either. No. You know, no. People I, who should be doing something and and may find true value and and true like happiness in, in being productive and doing something like you know be it pottery or being uh, be it in you know, an engineer or, or or whatever an artist yeah. a musician like yeah, yeah. there is not proper allocation of human capital and and that leads to misery.
1: Exactly. It definitely does. I mean, adjusting prices doesn't lead to a proper profit and loss mechanisms. In other words, entrepreneurs are nowhere to correctly invest. Where to invest in accordance with consumer preferences, and that is not only with regards to entrepreneurs of capital. Individuals are entrepreneurs. That's a thing. Yeah. An individual is an entrepreneur, and entrepreneurs' his or her own life exactly his or her life. And right now, they're looking at prices. They're basically commanding their economy, their own personal economy. They look at prices, and they don't know which one is the correct one. They might think they're going to get a profit, but that profit has been distorted by the changes in prices that have been occurring due to manipulation of some individuals.
0: Yeah. I You know, Rick, I was looking at this. Um, I think the homeownership number came out last week as well, and it plummeted to levels not seen since the 1960s. You know? Yeah. And yeah. it's really it, – that is – when you think about standard of living – an increased standard of living, what do, what do you think about? Okay, well, I, I think about my purchasing power going further. I can buy more things and satisfy my own ends with, with the wage that I make. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would think that a high standard of living entails ownership of your own property, right? Um, having access to transportation. These things, like all these things have become more expensive, and now less people are owning their homes, I mean now you could argue historically homeownership pre-World War II was in like the 40 percent level and we're probably going to return to that. But in other words,
1: the rates are not what they used to be. Yes, That's exactly. That's the thing. It's, yes. not, not, it's not per se. It's the rate that we're looking at. It's the rate of growth that we're looking at. Right. Yeah. The rate yeah. of standard of living of individuals. We're actually worsening our standard of living. But, you yeah. know, all of this reminds me of a recent Ludwig von Mises quote that I read. And I'm paraphrasing. But it basically mm-hmm. said that socialism talks there's no planning in the market economy. There's no planning. There is planning. There is individual planning. The individuals try to plan for themselves. But what the central bank I – mean, what the socialists try to do is take that individual planning – out of your life so they can plan your life. You see yeah. what I'm saying? And the reason why I say this
0: well, gives is, me the heebie-jeebies.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the reason why I'm saying it is because they've been planning all these prices and what they're actually doing is planning us. But we will, we will see how the market reacts to, to all this. I do think that next week we're going to see a, a lot of volatility. Like you said, we're mm-hmm. just so sensitive, and that's how we started off with this whole conversation because we're not based in reality, and we're just waiting for that moment to just bring us down because we all know yeah. we're
0: going a little bit too crazy we are we're really going crazy here um but ricky to i guess to close it off i mean this is maybe a little bit shorter podcast but uh how are uh, well, i remember last week we talked about what trades we might be looking at and and you were talking about the miners how uh, how are you feeling on that i still feel good about the miners
1: and still feel good about uh in essence betting against the market Because I think there's going to be volatility coming ahead. And Mm -hmm. markets, either they could go up or go down. But I think eventually they will go down because of my thesis that the realization of the market drop needs to happen before the Fed eases again. So that's why. But also the miners, when all this uncertainty unravels, is going to go up because gold is going to go up. And I don't Mm -hmm. see any big major like political threat anytime soon that would make gold not be valuable at this time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Mr. Chan? You're still looking to those insurance companies you were men- mentioning last week? What, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely still looking at the insurance companies. Uh, so last week I mentioned AIG. They actually have earnings coming up on Tuesday. Ooh. So that's going to be interesting. We'll Ooh. see uh, what that looks like and look at their balance sheet and look at their holdings. Uh, but actually the EU performed their <laughs> quote unquote stress tests last week as well. And uh, if you actually read a little deeper into those stresses, it's, it's a complete joke because... They didn't include uh, banks in Greece. They did not include banks in Portugal, and there was no pass-fail grade. So, I mean, what kind of test is this? I mean, it sounds like it sounds like tests that they now have in U.S. colleges where you can't fail. You know, you can't get a test uh, a test score lower than C. It's a complete joke. Um, so, I think this financial system there is a lot frailer, or is that even a word? More frail, um, or or precarious than uh, they are letting on, and you can imagine that the financial institutions are going to suffer first um, and combine it with negative interest rates. I I definitely am not bullish. I'm the opposite of bullish when it comes to insurance companies. So definitely still looking in the direction. Awesome, awesome. Well, with that, I hope everybody enjoyed
1: this podcast. Please like us, share us, make us famous, say whatever you want. And stay tuned for the next episode of the Say Fair Podcast.